Welcome to the Media Mavens Podcast, brought to you by the Evergreen Network. The Media Mavens Podcast is where you'll hear the latest and greatest trends, topics, and tribulations with industry leaders. And here is your host of the Media Mavens Podcast. She is the original Media Maven, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Access Entertainment and your host for Media Mavens Podcast. And I'm here today with my co-host, Joe Pirates. Hey, Joe. Hey, how's it going on this uh, Thursday now? Yeah, it's, yeah, right. We're on a Thursday podcast. What what jersey? Wow. You're wearing a hockey jersey. Which team? Tell me it's not U of A. Of course, it's U of A hockey. Of course. I'm the I'm the voice of the of the yeah. Wildcats. Come you wouldn't on. have an ASU hockey jersey. By no, chance. I don't. Probably I will it. not wear that. <laughs> but you would probably wear a lot of others. I, I have my L.A. Kings jersey on. I'm yes. loyal to my team, but. I am quasi loyal because I'm excited because we have Stu Ballantyne on and Stu, you're the SVP of Venues Entertainment with the Oilers Entertainment Group and you're coming in from Canada. So I want to welcome you to the show and thank you for dialing in with us today. Hey, listen, my pleasure. I'm uh, happy to be a part of it. I, okay, so I told this to you earlier, but the Oilers was one of my very first hockey teams that I've ever seen. I think it became hooked since then. You have such a tremendous hockey background. Like it looks like you spent your whole life on the ice. So I'm super excited to kind of deep dive into, you know, what's going on, red line, blue lines, like everything about hockey. But talk to us a little bit. You're doing well up there in Canada. You said you guys were super busy over the summer. I know with COVID, it's been a little bit crazy, at least down here in the lower 50 is what they call it, I think. They, you know, they didn't mention anything on hockey till just recently. I know NBA, MLB, NFL, all the messaging, they were coming out, figuring out hockey seemed to have just been dormant till they got their shit together. How different has it been up there with you guys in Canada? Because I know you said you've been busy. Yeah, we shut down the whole league, shut down on the the 12th of March. And, uh, you know, right away, within a couple of weeks, commentary started about you know, bubble hockey and, and would we, you know, so would there be a few teams interested in hosting and trying to finish the season? So the NHL actually agreed to to come back in a hub environment before the NBA. The NBA started before the NHL, but only because there was 10 cities within the, the NHL that wanted to host. And uh, we're very fortunate and we can get into some of the uh, physical amenities that we have with a brand new arena. But you know, we wanted to be able to keep going. And, and sure enough, in the end, Toronto and Edmonton became the two hub cities for to finish uh, last season. And, and we started in, you know, late July and, and finished up just before we got to October with our friends in Tampa winning yet another championship. Yeah. Nice. So I there is so much to cover with you. I want to talk about the new center and the venue and how the team's doing and moving down the road where we're going this year with you. But I want to kind of Roll back a little bit. You were the COO of the Vancouver Giants hockey, and then you went and you were CEO before this with the Canadian Winter Games. What what's going on? Talk to us. <laughs> so I'm a, a major event producer. Started off in product marketing. Actually, came out of the motorsport world and and joined Hockey Canada in 2004 after an eight year stint with Molson with the brewery and, and involved in a whole bunch of different projects. Wait, wait, we're, you worked for a brewery, like a craft brewery? Wait. Not a craft brewery. I not craft. A major, <laughs> one of our major breweries here wait, in wait. Canada. Joe, Joe, do you know this brewery? 
Yeah, I know Molson. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, if you don't know Molson, then you don't know hockey. That's oh, correct. That's not fair. Hockey. <laughs> yeah. The actual name of the company now is Molson Coors, and you might have heard the second. Okay, now I got it. Okay, so you yeah. started. I start off in alcohol. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I started off in tires and got to alcohol. Wow. You know, two products that everybody needs. <laughs> and um, ended up, I moved over to Canada as the general manager of the 2006 World Junior Championships. And, you know, my family's, you know, we're, we're all from the business and we've moved across the country a million times and been in a million different places. But at the end of the day, what a great honor to to be selected to, to work for Hockey Canada and in this country, if it says hockey and someone says, would you come and work for us? You just say yes. And yeah. I did. <laughs> and we uh, did a great tournament in 06. Canada ended up winning that tournament. And I got seconded to the Vancouver Giants at that time to run their Memorial Cup, which they were hosting the following year. So did that with the Giants. And uh, during that time, he still did a few projects with, with Hockey Canada. And uh, the day after the Giants won the the Memorial Cup, I started as the CEO of the World Police and Fire Games and uh, doing a multi-sport event, which nice. was insane. We did 67 sports across 55 venues over 10 days. I mean, it was... It's a dream was, job. That's, a, that's no. really my dream job for events. I think I want, I got my master's degree on that one. And then I'll say that my Olympic experience in, in 2010 would, would have given me my PhD because you learn a lot <laughs> with these events. So. Oh yeah, but uh, no, it was good. And um, after uh, finished with the with the police and fire games, I went back to the Giants to run their front office, and uh, we had a decent year. Our team wasn't the tallest, uh, you know. Our team captain that year ended up being Brendan Gallagher, wow. and I remember our guys lining up against Portland, and I thought we were in the wrong arena. Uh, <laughs> we didn't have a lot of height, but we had a lot of heart, and uh, you know, it was a, it was an okay season. We we did make the playoffs, but we didn't last long. And uh, during the off season, I was offered a, a position to, to run the Canada Games, and I was a former Canada Games athlete. And so, wait, great, which sports? Hockey. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I'm a swimmer. Oh, oh, so yeah. am I. I love it. So, well, technically, once it gets too cold, it turns to ice anyway. So, well, I, I see. so they're very related. You know, the water uh, is water. So. It makes sense. Yeah. No, I swam for 13 years and went through university, and and then got into my career. And you know, it's. It's a great place to start and uh, a great sport uh, to carry. A, well, obviously, for me, I've been retired almost 40 years and still can do a few laps. Uh, I was a sprinter, so I never really liked the, the long distance stuff anyway. Get in, get out, right? Hey, well, when, it, when you guys thought out up there in spring, summer, there's always that possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Let, me, let me ask you a question. And I know you guys are now going to, you guys are heading up. And putting together the next the Winter Olympic hockey team for NHL up there, or is that no. accurate? Okay, <laughs> You're like no, we don't want that job. <laughs> no, it's not that we don't want it. Kenny Holland has been selected to build the team for next year's Olympics. Who is he's our, our general manager and president of hockey operations. So, you know, we've had a we've been very integrated in in Canadian hockey and through Hockey Canada. Bob Nicholson, who is our our chairman of of the hockey team. Uh, was the former CEO of Hockey Canada for many years. Uh, you know, Bob's got over 44 championships, world championships under his belt uh, with, with Team Canada. And so, you know, it's it's fairly incestuous, the, the hockey world. And 
you know, we where there's no question that we've been heavily involved in, in in the Olympic team and the world championship teams for for a long time. Nice. Okay, so I want to give you some hockey trivia. <laughs> Actually, it's Great. not really. <laughs> I got my own hockey Great. trivia. Joe's like, here we go. So there just, we go. just a preference. Joe knows because Joe's the voice of God for the U of A hockey team, which is awesome. So I'm so I'm super excited why you're here. Okay, but here's my hockey, my only hockey trivia story that makes sense. Do you know Stu? Well, you probably don't because God, my God, Sean Hunter, he was somewhere up in Canada. It was years ago. I forgot which team. He came down to Phoenix, where I'm originally from in AZ, and he opened and he was the owner of the Phoenix Coyotes the first year. I worked with him because we had Sports Arizona and a lot of other people back in it. We helped launch the Phoenix Coyotes with Sean Hunter. Literally the first year in hockey history, and if I'm wrong, then I'm going to have to retract that out of this podcast. First time that an in a team in inaugural year won the Stanley Cup. It was the most exciting. Wait a second, Joe's like this head. I was so excited. But then Sean left and then Wayne Gretzky came in and they've sucked since then. But I'm always a true Phoenix Coyotes fan. But I we went either to there was either I thought they won the Stanley Cup or to the playoffs, but it was first time in an inaugural year of a hockey team has actually gone that far. Okay. Vegas um, did it. Went all the way to the Stanley Cup final and lost in the finals yeah. in their inaugural year. Yeah. Well, but still, if you're an inaugural year to go that far on, and you're in the desert as a hockey team, that's a pretty big, like, plus just, a, just bragging rights. But then he left to go to L.A., went up to the Avalanche, I think he's somewhere. And then, you know, I mean, it's still a hockey team. Yeah. Okay, that's well, my... They came in, actually, the Arizona Coyotes, which were the Phoenix Coyotes when they started, actually came in from Winnipeg. They were, uh, they moved from Winnipeg down to Phoenix for a better deal. And a thought. Uh, yeah. Much warmer. Of course. Okay. So that's my story for you, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. How, how's the team doing up there? Talk to them. How's the, how the Oilers doing? You know, we're not doing too bad this year. We're a few games in, I think 12, 12 games in. We're playing Montreal tonight. We're in third place. If we beat Montreal tonight, we'll be tied for second with them. Toronto is in the lead right now and on a huge roll. Mm-hmm. We still have the number one and number two scoring leaders on our team. But, uh, you know, and interesting enough, we won the game last or two nights ago and they didn't score at all. So that's a rare one for, for Connor McDavid and for Leon Dreisaitl. But uh, overall, we're doing well. We're, we're poised. And of course, you know, our biggest thing is, is getting into the playoffs. And yeah. in the NHL, you make it to the playoffs and then it just goes from there. You know, there's all bets are off and anyone can win it. Right. It's so funny. So the LA Kings, which is here in Los Angeles, I, I think it was Vancouver, my last Canadian game. Every time there's a ca- Canadian team down here, I mean, the crowds are crazy. I mean, most of the people in LA and Los Angeles flip sides every time there's a Canadian team down here. They're such rabid Vancouver fans. It's crazy. But Jonathan Lowe used to be the um, head of marketing for AG Sports Global. He ran everything for all the marketing and consumer interaction for the LA Kings. He submitted the mobile because they did the whole, you know, consumer interaction via mobile to the Media Excellence Awards, which is a global award that honors all innovation and leadership in mobile tech and entertainment. We have a sports category for best mobile and sports. And he used to always get up on the stage and he was a presenter. And he used to always wear his little hockey pin, right? Because it was always in December, January, we were getting the season rolling, but he always made time to be there. And they won like three or four years in a row, the LA Kings on a global level for best mobile. And then the one year that he 
said something or didn't wear his pin or something happened. They didn't win that year. And ever since then, they, 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 he keeps complaining because every time they've won an MEA award, they've gone to the Stanley Cup. The one year they didn't win this award because that's some big guys up against them. They lost the Stanley Cup. It is so funny how just these uh, sports teams in general are so like religious on certain things and the way they run their whole entire season. And I just think right now it's kind of odd because nobody's on a regular season. Sports in general are superstitious and, and hockey is right up there with everybody. Yeah. You, know, it's, you know, I'm wearing these socks for the whole season and I'm not washing them. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Let me ask you, Stu, it seems like by accident, the NHL has really stumbled upon something that I think is is actually very, you know working very well right now. And that's the putting the Canada teams all in one division and letting them battle it out. And I think by accident, that was probably one of the best things that's happened was that to the because game of, for a while. Was that because of COVID or is that? Yes. Yeah, the border's closed. So, you know, transferring yeah. back and forth. I mean, it's been difficult for us because... You know, our farm team is in Bakersfield, California. So we've had to bring in a taxi squad and leave them here in Canada. Otherwise, it could be a 14-day quarantine just to make a player change. Yeah. We saw that with the Lion A trade. They they had to quarantine on their way into Canada and Lion A had to, to quarantine in Columbus. You know, it's 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 interesting with the Canadian division to the point where we don't follow a lot of the US, the three US divisions on TV as much because yeah. We're not we're not playing them next week. We're not playing them in three weeks. And the media is so focused on, you know, on what's going on in Canada, uh, the hockey media, that it is it's kind of cool. But it's also weird because it feels like we're in a 17 league again versus a 31 team league. Yeah. And I don't know if that same thing is happening in the U.S., but, you know, as a home team, when we host Toronto or Montreal, those are the biggest nights, Vancouver. And of course, our battle with with Calgary, the Battle of Alberta, is just it's storied history. It could be one of the the most rivaled two franchises in 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 the NHL. And so, it's been entertaining, and it's just a shame we can't put fans in the building. Does that make your job a little bit easier? I mean, I, I don't know exactly, you know what what exactly goes on with that considering there's nobody in the building, but as somebody who runs the arena, who is the events manager, does it make your job just a little bit easier? Oh, it's, it's way easier. You know, we we don't have 18,400 issues that could happen. (laughs) (laughs) You know, our fans are wonderful, but you know, with, with fans, you know, come, you know, people like to enjoy the games and, and, you know, so there's a lot more work, you know, we're doing food and beverage. We're, you know, we're making sure everybody's being nice to each other. And, you know, not everybody's voting for the orders when, when we have a home game. So, you know, just making sure that everybody's safe and, and comfortable. And right now, it's very strange. Other than media, a few scouts, the two hockey teams, and a few of my staff, and I mean a, a few, there's nobody in the arena. You know, we're, we're normally used to seeing, you know, up to 1,200 you know, part-time workers, you know, checking in, getting ready for the game. Lots of product being uh, brought in in the morning and it's in the hallways and getting ready, beer kegs, everything. It's not there. They're just literally in the back of the back of house. Very little going on other than our ice crew and our engineering guys. Is it like, do you think that's, I mean, good and bad coming off a really turbulent year we've had. Do you think it's gigs? It really gives the team a chance to focus on their skill set and the game. Or do you think it hurts them because they don't have millions of fans yelling and screaming and fighting 
in the stands. Yeah, there, there's no home ice advantage. The only difference is the travel. You know, the teams that when they're in their home, their home city, they get to go home. And so they're used to their home life. But in the team that's coming in is, is basically locked into a hotel that probably has very few people in it and nothing to do. You know, some some provinces don't even have restaurants open. We just opened our, our restaurants for socially distanced in restaurant dining on Monday. They've been closed since November. So it's it's not the greatest life for the for the players on the road. And and there's no ambiance in the building. You know, there's piped in crowd noise, but it's not the same. Yeah. No one's banging on the windows. And yeah. you know, they're not the hype is just not there. It looks great on TV if you're yeah. filming tight and, and the, the coverage has been good, but it's not the same. It's, it's yeah, it's, I mean, socially, am I one of the biggest things I I know I miss? Give, I mean, we we just opened up. I think restaurants outdoors only. I mean, but the weather here is it's like 71 today and sunny. So, you know, people want to be outside. <laughs> people want to be outside here as opposed to, you know, back east in Canada. But, you know, besides the social aspects, my biggest thing that I, this is starting to get to me, I, I used to be on the ice at the hockey games. Like I'd be down there on the ice. I mean, I'd be with the team. I'd be at, you know, courtside clippers. And it's weird being in PR of all the fancy, glamorous, sparkly events. I miss being at a sports game the most out of anything else that I have going on. And it's just hard because I'm in LA. It's all about Hollywood and the Grammys and Oscars and all these pretty parties, but I want to be at a game and it sucks because we can't be anywhere. But I know they're trying when we I spoke with to one, I mean, on the NBA side who I know, they're trying to hopefully get fans back in the seats in in the summer. But I think until we get all the teams back on a normal schedule, I don't really know if we're going to have any fans in the seats until probably this time next year. But then, you know, the Super Bowl. They didn't have fans. They just had all the first responders who kind of put themselves on the 50-yard line getting squished between COVID and all the horrible stuff they went through. And I love that they did that. But you could tell at the Super Bowl, there was three or four rows. They were so spread apart. But people are starting to think, well, hey, if they could do it, we could do it. But I'm not so sure how that's going to work because you're still in close quarters and you're masked up. Do you like have any idea if they're going to safely bring people back or... Well, we start, we're working on plans. You know, we, yeah. we've got two level plans based on what the percentage would be because, you know, if you're you know tied to a 15% or a 25% or a 30%, you know, crowd, what does that look like? If they have to be six feet apart or three feet apart, that makes a huge difference. None of it's great for business. It's yeah. just great that we need to start getting fans back into the building and we're trying very hard. And we worked hard this summer just to, to pull off the hub city and, and, and keep our our government and, and our health authorities, you know, in tune with, with what we wanted to do. And, and we worked together hand in hand to build the protocols. And we had no positive tests throughout the hub city for any of the players or any of the, the people that had come into town. Nice. This is a stupid question, but do you kind of think that the play are there? Joe's going to laugh. So, Joe, we're going to lock you out of this question and answer. Do you think the players are brawling less and fighting less on the ice because there's no fans, you know, just getting them all excited and ebbing them on? Or do you think they're a little bit more mellow and more of that good sportsmanship and less fights and brawls on the ice because of COVID? You know, it's more like playoff hockey. When you've got a, a mini series, you know, two or three games with a team, 
you know, you didn't like them last night. You're really not going to like them tonight and you're really going to hate them by the, you know, two nights from now. And so the atmosphere, I don't think is, is anything has changed. I, I think these teams have actually heightened, you know, their competition because of the fact that they're seeing each other in these mini series. And uh, I think it's great for the fans because they're seeing playoff level hockey in season this year. Well, that pent-up aggravation from COVID, that's crazy. A uh, question, I, you know, I know the idea is to get fans back in the seats. I know, like you said, we're going to move on to the venue here in a second. You have the staff, you have, you guys got to figure it out. Not just the seating down on the ice, but you've got the vendor lines, food courts. Are you guys leveraging and leaning on technology like mobile food ordering and everything so people stay in their seats and they're not going to be questioned around the concierge levels with food courts and stuff? Well, that's the thing that we're working on is, you know, we're very fortunate. You know, the majority of our transactions were touchless in the past. We didn't have a, a, a direct mobile ordering, but we, you know, we it was easy to, to, to pivot on that one. And we're doing that. The key thing is how many food kiosks and, and, and concession stands do you open and where do people eat and what what's going to be on the menu? Because you don't have the ability of having three games a week with fans to, you know, to consume how many hot dogs you're going to order, how much popcorn are you going to bring in? You know, what, how are you going to serve your beer? Is it going to be packaged beer or are you going to have draft beer like you would normally have and package? You know, it's, it's just a very different animal when you have anywhere from 1500 to 3,500 people in the building versus 18,400. Yeah. I just give them a bunch of beer. They'll be happy no matter where they sit. Yeah, <laughs> then they will they'll stop wearing their masks because they're gonna eat popcorn and drink beer and then they start moving closer and closer and uh, you know, we want yeah. our fans to be safe and we want our staff to be safe at the same time and the players and you know each each week we're getting two sets of protocols from the nhl about changes because of you know a few positive tests and these players are going home and and you know, the league doesn't have control over them like they did in Hub City where everybody was locked into a, a, a hardened environment and tested every day. Yeah. Right. You know, it's I have half my staff are being tested and the other half, like myself, are not even close to the, the team. I can go into the arena, go up to level five through one specific elevator and I can watch games. But that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't need to go. I'm not the guy that has to go in and fix the electrical or flip a switch or you know, do the cleaning. So, you know, we've, we've really segregated who can go where and when and, and what they, what they're allowed to do in certain yeah. places. Are you, are you guys keeping your team. fans engaged? Cause I know there's surprisingly a lot of sports teams have such rapid fans loyalty that are so they're buying jerseys. They're still purchasing merch. They're still, yes, I want my tickets as soon as you open, I'm not going to falter or people are buying season tickets to come back when we come back they want to be there front and center yeah. are you guys doing a lot i'm assuming to really keep your fans engaged through all of this yeah we're we're really strong on on social media with our fans you know we continue to stay engaged with them you know we're hoping that by playoff time we'll we'll, we'll have fans in the building and if that's the case our fans are going to be lined up and if it's limited number of tickets it's going to be that's going to be the nightmare who gets to come in and who doesn't, right? Yeah. That's, you know, we're, we're pretty much a sold-out building and have been for, for many, many years. Oilers fans are are different than, I, than other sports fans. 
Yeah, I just assume like ticket holders are always going to season ticket holders. There's so many fans and there's all the exchange sites. I want to buy tickets from other owners and what you want to do. I think because it's going to be so limited, they are going to give priority to season ticket holders because they are the ones because I know I got emails saying, hey, do you want to give up your season tickets for COVID, get a refund or just let it roll to the next year, then we'll get you back in queue. So everybody had a lot of options. A lot of people said, nah, we don't know what's going to happen. Don't worry about it. I'll just decide if I want tickets again. Some people said, yes, I want to keep the season tickets, keep the money, just let it roll over. I just think it's going to be hard because is it going to be season ticket holders are always the first priority once we go back because we're going to be limited and then we'll eventually grow with herd immunity? Or is it going to be limited season ticket holders and then a limited percentage of seats to people who may not be season ticket holders, but they're the most rapid fans because they buy tickets and food and merch every single game on their own? Yeah, so season seat holders and, and uh, packet, you know, game pack holders make up well over 90% of our business. And so, you know, it, this will be a, a challenge for us. You know, do you get to go to every third game or how are we going to be able to do this? And hence why we need to get back to full capacity as, as quick as we possibly can. To give you an idea of, of where we're at, we've switched to an online 50-50. And 50-50 is a bit more of a Canadian phenomenon than it is U.S. And it's a lot stronger in the West part of Canada. But our 50-50 on Saturday night against Calgary, the pot grew to over $2 million. Now, that'll seem like a lot, but we've already had a pot over $15 million back <laughs> back last summer. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's $7.5 million to the winner. Correct. Aye, aye, aye. So 50-50's big. And, you know, Hockey Canada had a rollover during the World Juniors in our building. And on the gold medal night, that pot went to 17 million and reset the record. Now, let me ask you, Stuart, can you get, can somebody like me in the States jump into that and and play that? Now, here's the interesting thing. You have to be within the confines of the province of Alberta to be able to buy a ticket. But but if we have, if we know people have friends up there, they could do it for us. Okay, Joe, that's a side conversation. Exactly. But our our employees can't buy, so so that that makes the uh, odds Uh, a little bit better. Let me take you back to uh, 2016. You joined the team in 2015, June of 2015. You had about a year left before the, the Rogers place opened. And, you know, not to mistake it with the Rogers Arena or Rogers Center in Toronto. But uh, yeah, I I can understand that. What was your life like during that one year before you guys finally dropped the puck in in the Rogers place? Yeah, so I was responsible for operations and and that included our operations for the hockey teams, both hockey teams uh, at Rexall Place and also was on the team that was opening the new arena. So I spent 80 nights in Rexall Place that first season. And during the day, spending lots of time on on you know, all the final details. I wasn't here for the design, but the the roof was going on when I arrived, and you know the team was going from being a hockey club to an entertainment uh, company, and we were growing literally weekly with 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 employees. And uh, coming through that year, uh, we were watching the arena be built. We're obviously doing guided tours and taking people in, and and increasing our staff. It was exceptional. It didn't feel like work because it was so exciting to be able to move into a new building. And every time you'd walk into a space that was 
even semi-finished, you go, oh my God, it's going to be so wonderful to work in here. And, you know, we have a gem. We have the largest arena in the NHL. You know, we're 1.1 million square feet. And it is a marvel. You know, eight levels high, plus a parking level underneath it. So our suite holders and our Loge customers park underneath the arena. Our team parks underneath the arena. We have a, a massive... It's a bridge, but it's a covered bridge that all the queuing that, that you do at Edmonton, and listen, at minus 40, you don't want to be outside. So before you get to the gates, you're already in a heated environment. And we've got a 25-acre development that is literally only half of it is, is has been developed. We still got a whole bunch of stuff to do. And, you know, it's modeled after LA Live. It's, yeah. you know, we have an outdoor plaza, 75,000 square foot outdoor plaza. You know, we've completed four office towers. We've got another residential tower to build just on the phase one. It created a, a plaza that is we're just opening up that would be similar to Microsoft Plaza. And it's, you know, a JW Marriott Hotel attached to the arena, which makes it easy for us to host events and players don't even have to go outside. It's It was an amazing year and uh, the first year of opening up and, and, of course, making the playoffs in 2017. And, uh, you know, almost getting to, to the third round, uh, yeah. there was a, someone redefined defined, uh, goaltender interference, uh, Mr. Kessler, and uh, we didn't make it. And, uh, but it was wonderful. The, the fans were great. We, we had uh, our Fort Hall area, which is outside the gates, was full of fans watching. Uh, we have a number of, of large format LED boards indoor. At that time, our outdoor space wasn't completed, which would have been amazing. And now we're we're uh, we're waiting to get back into the playoffs and get fans to to gather. Stu, it seems like any time with any kind of uh, stadium development, stadium building, sometimes the fans don't buy in. But have the Edmontonians have bought into the Rogers Place? Yeah, big time. It added two thousand seats to our our ticket base, and right away sold. You know, we were absolutely sold out through our first two seasons, and. Uh, you know, the economy kind of hit here in Alberta. We're an oil and gas based economy. And so that suffered a little bit, but we're still, you know, we're, we're, we're packed to the rafters most nights and uh, right up until the 11th of, of March last year, when we were on a roll, we had everything going. New Jersey's launched, uh, food and beverage was doing well. You know, the team was on a run and, uh, you know, we were destined for the playoffs. So it was kind of a, a, a tough time for us to have to shut everything down. So you guys, so the new place is, I mean, modeled after you said LA Live here in LA, right? Because yeah. I mean, I what I love about LA Live, and we've done so many events in the winter during hockey games is my favorite because they take the plaza and they build it out to an ice ring with the huge tree in the middle and all the LED lights. Yeah. So you could be ice skating the restaurants. I mean, it's such a, it's such a magical place in the winter. It's such a great place to go for sports and there's concerts and events there and everything. So, you know, and I do feel because it's such a big space and plaza that's been dormant for a little, almost a year now. But I mean, I think once things start opening up a little bit more, are you guys going to slowly start running outdoor events and places for people to maybe like, like here in LA, they're doing drive-in theaters again. They're going to old school. You, movie theaters are shut but you could go to the movies and they've started running some sports games. So you could be in your car at a, like a drive-in theater, but at least you're still in that atmosphere where it's a little bit more social protected. Are you guys going to start getting more creative to slowly bring back events and fan-based initiatives? 
We've certainly looked at it. You know, it's really hard. Sponsorship dollars are what drive those those yeah. events. Without sponsorship, really hard to make it to make them work financially. And so, you know, we're we're looking forward to just you know what? Let's get everybody vaccinated. Uh, let's be smart. You know, our numbers have been dropping like a stone as far as new cases over the last few weeks. You know, the shutdown helps that. You know, and, and we need to convince our our health authorities that that our fans will wear their masks and, and and do whatever they need to do so that we can get gathering again and and eventually reduce the social distancing back to normal. But yes. you know, looking at it, I mean I look at all these assets, you know, a beautiful hotel, a plaza that's not being used, uh, you know, watching hockey games, you know, with me and my 27, you know, closest friends when we should be having 18,400. Yeah. It's very, very difficult. And you know what, we'll get through it. And we're, we're excited to, to get to the other side, but we know we have some work to do before we get there. Yeah. We still have a long ways to go before you get there. I think they said between 75 and 80% of the population must be vaccinated to accomplish herd immunity. Yeah. But I have a brilliant marketing idea for you. Awesome. To keep all of the fans safe, they have to wear their masks. Obviously, you have your whole space scene issue and all that stuff. What about, you know, when you walk into a game, they give you shirts, they give you towels, whatever. What if we get little hockey helmets and masks like the um, goalie guys that have the branded and they have to wear those, then they have that double protection. I like the one, especially when you get the beers up on top and then you still wear your mask. And... <laughs> You're a man after my own heart. You know what? And if we have to skip every second row, they won't they won't block the view of the people behind because that's a big issue in Edmonton. The, one of the largest crimes you can have is to lean forward in your seat during a game because our fans are hockey fans. They're they're you know they're there for the event, but they want to watch the hockey. So don't lean forward in your seat. Oh, good. I've literally literally sat there, and the, some of the brawls I've seen were not on the ice. They were in the stands because they were yeah. so passionate about their teams and they're maybe i may be next to or you may be in front or behind the opposite opposing teams fans and they get pissed i walk out of mere more beer mm-hmm. dropped on me from the people behind and in front and when you know when the pucks come flying they just they i just get out of the way and dock i'm telling you like i, I know everybody has their hockey town and for la nobody really thinks about it but when you get certain teams here in LA with the Kings, like you want to be bubble wrapped and your own little like helmet walked into those stands. I've seen some gnarly stuff and it's crazy because in the stands, it's not on the ice. Yeah, we're not running the spectator nets right now. and We haven't been since we started Hub City because there's nobody sitting there. But I can tell you, I've lost two TVs on our fifth level. Really? Yeah. Did they get Real, From what? Huh? From Real, oh, pucks. Okay. I'm thinking like yeah. maybe throwing beers or no, something like but, that. But, but no, no fans, right? But between the, what is it, between, at least I don't know, every arena is different. Between rows like four and 12 in the sections I'm between the red and blue line across from the Kings one goal line. That is like the fly zone. I'm constantly like, oh my God, oh my God, looking around. Because sometimes yeah. I'm like, wait, where'd it go? And it's like up above. And I was just like, oh my God, everybody duck. But how far can they get those pucks up there? Well, far enough. I mean, I, I don't know how high that is. I, I don't have a measurement. Like, but we're literally, if, if, if the ice is at level one, it's five, five full levels above that. And 
our ceiling heights aren't tight. <laughs> it's a long way up, and and you don't only have to get the puck up that height; you had to actually, you know, have some force that that would take out a TV. Yeah. Let me ask uh, Stu: Are you guys using the nets behind the goals? No, that's what we took out. Oh, okay. I was just wondering. It just about it makes that. the the broadcast. The other thing is, is we have a bit of a unique situation. Our our arena between the old arena and this arena, this arena inside is you know, 24 more feet to the, to the superstructure. And so we don't run a bar. We run the nets go right from our superstructure all the way down to the glass. So that there's, there's nothing obstructing view from the upper bowl. Well, that's an expensive net. Like it's probably three times the size of anyone else's nets and, and the NHL just over 60 games, you have to replace them. Okay, wait, so- are we talking the goalie nets? Like, you know, with the, no, no, no. We're talking the nets oh, behind the spectator the glass. nets that go from the glass. Oh, those to, big, those, those are black sphere things that catch pucks. So they're yeah, and yeah, okay. just like the nets they put up in football to stop the got it from getting into the crowd. And so, you know, it's an expensive proposition to have to keep replacing them. And, and you know, the, the insurers want to make sure that you're you're on it. And so we, we evaluated the cost. And it wasn't until recently that we saw that we lost the two TVs, but it's, you know, when you consider how many games, I, mean, yeah. I think what would we, would we do? Only two we had, TVs. We posted within the last year, 141 games in our building. Wow. And, and you guys are carrying it off like nobody's business. Right. I mean, 114 games in the building before the season started when nobody else was hosting any games other than Toronto. So, nice. You, so you've we, done, we've yeah. had three and a half seasons of hockey. In, in a year. You have done such an exceptional job with this. Honestly, it is impressive. I mean, because you guys have had to kind of figure out you got shut down halfway through last year's, then you couldn't really finish last year's. Now you're on to this year's. You guys have a lot of games to catch up on. Yeah. You know, it's it's been a it's been interesting for us because we've been busy. I mean, my staff worked over 60 days straight without a day off um, uh, last summer. And you know, we were hosting three games a day. This past on January second, with the World Junior Tournament being here, we had four full games on the same ice surface, and no one's ever done that. The Olympics don't do that. Is this because of the integrity of the ice and everything building it back up again for the next? You know, game? We, we're we're consistently in the top two in the NHL for our ice quality, and it's not because of the outdoor temperature. It actually doesn't help us. We have to add humidity to our building. But our, our ice crew is exceptional. They do a great job. And you know what? We we had to start in the you know the days before building it up and making sure we can get through four games. And we weren't sure because no one's ever done it. And we did. And the ice integrity for the final game that day was just as good as the first. Now, are you guys the only, I mean, I know given NHL, everybody's coming back. Are you guys the only ones who got, are you guys caught up with your season on time now because of that? And were you guys the only ones who just kind of back-to-back games all in a day just to get caught up? No, it was it was to finish last year's season. So we had 12 teams come and compete. And then eventually two more teams came from Toronto because we hosted rounds three and four of the playoffs. Whereas the play-in round, the first round and second round were, were both hosted in, in Toronto and Bank or Toronto and, and Edmonton. And so we each had 12 teams. And then as that pared down, the final two that were left here and the two from Toronto came over and we, we, we awarded the Stanley Cup here in, in Edmonton to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Nice. What? OK, so I'm a little lost of where we're at with now this new season. How are you guys doing right now? And what do you think? What do you think you guys will end up with this whole COVID 
going on before the season's well, out. Yeah, I think it's 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 been a bit challenging because the players are able to go home and they're in the in the market and the NHL started to clamp down on that this week because of all the issues. It's going to get tight near the end of the season because they want to get playoffs started in, in May. And I think they have to have them finished before the Summer Olympics because of the NBC contract. And so for us, you know, we had a delay today. I think this was the first time that we've had any COVID issues since the season started. We're 12 games in. And, you know, hopefully we don't have too many. And I think that's one of the first incidents we've had in, in, in the North Division, in the Canada Division this year. So you know, the teams know if, if, you, if you take care of yourself and you do everything that's right, you, you're going to minimize your chances of getting it. And then maybe you're a strong team, you know, getting into the playoffs. So it's, the, it's on the players and on the coaches to, to do everything they possibly can to stay healthy through this season. Yeah, I know a lot of teams had some big COVID scares, but you know, it is teamwork. I always hashtag teamwork makes the dream work when it comes to sports. So, and you guys, so so you can use my hashtag there, Stu. Um, So if I had to ask you, because I run out of time, if you had to put your kind of dollar down on who do you think is going to make it to this playoffs this year, which two teams do you think besides Edmonton, obviously, is going to go? (laughs) I was going to say Edmonton right away. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But I mean, yeah, I, I meant outside. You can't because like you guys do have a phenomenal team. And you guys, I, honestly, it's very impressive beyond just the team, that the facilities, how you guys are running stuff. But, you know, take your number one star out of it. Where do you think NHL is going to line up this year? Well, I think you've got to look at, at, you know, Toronto and Boston seem to be the ones early. Mm-hmm. You know, pending any COVID issues or any injuries, those teams are going to be hard to, to, to beat. You know, I think we're poised. We've, we've probably got one of the best teams that we've had since I've been here in Edmonton. And we're really starting to click. You know, we struggled a little bit with goaltending with our, one of our main goaltenders off. But, you know, in the U.S., like I said, you just got to make the playoffs. You've got to be in your top four of your division and and just be poised and ready. You have to have great goaltending to get through the, the playoffs. And and, you know, all the superstars in the world, if one of them's not the goalie or the goalie doesn't become a superstar during the playoffs, you're not going to see a Stanley Cup in your hand, you know, come mid, mid-July. So a lot of success on winning, going to the Stanley Cup is really pressure on the goalie. Because I would think mm-hmm. it was some of these other guys, you know, the, the big score guys, but it's the goalie who's really the anchor of the team then, huh? He's your last piece of defense and, yeah. and you know, penalties, everything is, it's all going to factor into it. And so, you know what, teams that stay healthy and, and get into that top four. And then, you know what, that are healthy when they get to the top four, they're the ones that are going to go the distance. Yeah. Because nice. you know, it literally motivates, it motivates the players in a, in a major way when it, when playoff time comes. Oh, it's so exciting to watch. I'm so excited you came on today. As soon as they open the borders, I'm coming up and I'm coming to a game. Come visit us. I am. I like seriously, I'm going to get like besides snowboarding. As soon as we open up, I'm going to come up there and visit you guys. I want to come to a game. Now, do you guys or I mean, I don't remember. I know Vancouver's been down here. Do you guys come down or do you have any future plans to be once things open safely, they'd be playing back around through the U.S. again? Yeah, you know, like once once the border opens up and travel, you know, I don't travel a ton with the team. I have a, a little bit, but not a ton. But we've got other things with all our, our you know live entertainment business and our yeah. rodeo business, everything that we're doing. We're traveling around quite a bit. We do spend a fair bit of time in, in Vegas. 
just seems everybody goes through Vegas, so we might as well too. <laughs> and I, I don't know if you've been to a Vegas home game when the Oilers are playing, but half the building is is Oilers fans, and they're not local residents. They're all people from here that are getting out of it's cold. <laughs> yeah, I was there for the uh, Rangers, and I can tell you, you're you're exactly right. It is half half and half all the whole time. Yeah, yeah and I think that's the beauty of what Vegas has got going. They know that they've got to entertain the crowd regardless of what team they're cheering for. And, you know, people are always in a good mood when they go to Vegas and having a great time. And, you know, they've, they've got a good thing going. Yeah. I think it's been a great addition for the NHL. And, you know, I know that our fans love going down there to watch our team and, and everybody plans trips around it. Yeah. I think Seattle's going to be your next big rivalry. Be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. I think, you know, well, certainly Vancouver and Seattle are going to be knocking heads. That That's mm-hmm. going to be the, that's going to be their their Edmonton Calgary scenario. Nice, I'm Stu. It was so good having you on the show today. Well, it I was, appreciate uh, you bringing me on. It was good timing too because we were in the middle of hockey season. Yes. So for anybody who wants to come, if they're up in Canada, anybody who wants to visit game following hockey, where is the best place to send them? Was the best website? Is it uh, to the well, venue or EdmontonOilers.com or RogersPlace.com? And, and Rogers Place is the venues and all the other events surrounding. Correct. Okay. Yeah. They can also go to icedistrict.com, which has everything from, you know, hotel reservations, all of that in there. It's very similar to the LA Live experience. So come on up. Perfect. I want to thank you so much, Stu. This is Sarah Miller, Media Mavis Podcast. Joe, good to have yes. you back on a hockey podcast with me. Yes, I'm happy about that. And I will see everybody when we drop again next Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Media Mavens podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or download past episodes, subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider or on the Evergreen Podcast Network. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, log on to www.mediamavenspodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.